Welcome to RPG Decades, the central gaming hub of storytelling breakdown. We've had several tabletop gaming-focused episodes coming your way from October through December. Along with that, we are bringing you something new, this. And Ben and I are here to tell you a little bit about what this is. Our goal is to create 10-episode runs of tabletop gaming episodes. We just did a long-form <laughs> playthrough of Fury of Dracula for our October episode this year. One obvious possible avenue is D&D. We wanted to start off with something that doesn't take as long to play, but still has a lot of variety, a lot of strategy, and we reached out to three of our friends to play Smash Up with us in a round-robin tournament, which is what these episodes will feature. So, why the 10-episode format? Well, speaking as someone who is currently trying to keep up with Critical Role's third campaign and also enjoying going back and watching their second... I've watched maybe 70 episodes, and it's been great, but it also feels like there's no end in sight for a while. A 10-episode format keeps things contained. We're going to get more into the basics of Smash Up in a moment, but when did you first play Smash Up, Ben? Well, all the love in the world to a small business right here in Fort Wayne that, as of very recently, is no longer around. First time I ever played Smash Up was at Sweet So Geek, mm -hmm. and my brother-in-law, Loyal, and I got to sit down and play the game for the first time. At that point, I had watched uh, Will Wheaton's tabletop episode on the game, and I'm sure that'll come up in future episodes here. Oh, I'm trying to think of what the first matchups were, I think... I might have had the ninjas and the tricksters, which are just rude yeah, when paired together. Mean. And that was the first time I played it. There was a lot of disruption and a lot of destruction of minions in a two-player game. So uh, it took a while. And after that, we got to experience one of Sweet So Geek's outdoor movie nights. Incredibly enjoyable experience the whole way around. Yeah, you were the one who introduced me to this game. You know, I've been a magic player since my teenage years but i don't remember if it was our thursday night dinners in college or if it was one of the game nights you hosted but at one of those you brought out this box of smash up and of course it's a card game so my magic brain is like "Ooh, i'm intrigued and and the thursday night dinners came first and that would have been back even before I had the big geeky box, so it would. Have oh been, yeah, that would have been yep. just the basic. It would have been the base game, basic and then guys. maybe awesome level nine thousand and monster smash. Those were the first two expansions I got. And I, I started smashing, and I've been smashing ever since. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, why don't we talk about the rules of play without either one of us having, an, either a copy of the instructions in front of us, and let's just go through the broad strokes of how the game works. Yeah. So basically. It's called Smash Up because you have two different factions that are based off of just, you know, random things. You can have robots, or you can have zombies, or you can have, you know, werewolves, vampires, but even, you know, in the later expansions... It gets weird. Legally distinct versions of <laughs> pop culture items. You have, you know... The Ignobles, the Astro Knights, your right. Game of Thrones and Star Wars. But you pick two of them, and then you smash them together. So you just take both decks, shuffle them together. Each faction has two types of cards, minions and actions. And you can play one minion and one action per turn, unless the cards in play or in your hand would dictate otherwise. You are putting your minions, and in some cases also your actions, into play on other cards that are called bases. Now... Having more of a, an appreciation for magic recently, as well as uh, having an appreciation for Keyforge, a lot of times when you're playing a card game 1v1 against an opponent, you're kind of building up, building up, trying to fulfill whatever victory conditions the game has, and the power, once you're able to build it up, unless someone plays a card that just wipes out the board, is going to stay pretty much where it's at. Mm -hmm. 
Smash Up constantly wipes the board on its own because once a base reaches a certain threshold called breakpoint, then victory point values that are also on the bases, we, uh, I think, did a pretty good job of mentioning those throughout the different episodes we recorded yeah. of what the, we the stakes sure were. That. Yeah. You'll hear a base has a certain threshold for a breakpoint. It has a certain number of victory points that go to the winner and the runner-up and so on. And whoever gets to 15 of those victory points first wins the Smash Up game. There's all sorts of other different permutations, different times and places that actions can be played, different ways combos can be strung together. All of the factions kind of have their own interesting bread and butter. And then when you put two of them together that synergize particularly well, it opens some doors. Mm-hmm. So the key is smashing up two factions that are going to complement each other and then just, you know, wiping your opponent off the map. This might be a good time to also talk about the tournament structure. The way that we're going to do this is we're having a round-robin tournament. We'll tell you more about the players in a moment, but if you've got five players all playing each other, that's ten games. Mm -hmm. So it works out great for our ten-episode format. And then we also had to keep it fair in terms of faction selection. (laughs) How in the world are you going to do this if everyone needs to have two factions per smash up game and there's a whole bunch and and then even cards and factions that came out after we started doing this so right there's there's some box sets that were not in play as of recording this there are 84 factions in the smash up game and you own nearly all of them almost all of them i don't have my 10th anniversary box set yet as we're recording this uh but yeah but there's plenty to choose from uh (laughs) so we basically went with a you know, revised draft selection process. Everyone submitted lists and I made mine before anyone sent me anyone else's with the premise basically being you're going to rank your top. I think I asked for maybe like 20. I asked for maybe a list of like 15 factions or so, mainly because you're not going to get them all because if someone else ranked a faction higher than you, they would get that faction. And that was a good way to make it. So, okay, everyone has a pretty good chance of getting to play with the factions in the game that they really like, that they mm-hmm. put the highest values attached to. And then as you go down further on the list, things are more likely to be a little bit picked over. But when the dust settled, everyone had eight factions as well as one alternate because we didn't want anyone to go into a game with, well, these factions just straight up don't synergize and right. have so no I'm chance of winning the game. Right, for that game. Yep, 100%. When the dust settled, everyone had their list of nine factions. I made that list public to everybody. So even if you didn't know going in, okay, this person's used these factions versus these factions, no one could get an edge based on knowing what another opponent was going to use. It was very interesting to consistently see, okay, five minutes before we hit record on each of these battles, you found out what you were facing and you had to hope that what you picked was a good matchup for it. Mm -hmm. And scoring is very simple. Everyone's going to play four games. So obviously if you go undefeated and no one else does, that person is the winner. But in the case of a tie, if there's two players with three wins and one loss at the end, it comes down to total victory points earned throughout the tournament. So normally games end at the first player who gets to 15 points, but you can go over that threshold. So we kept a running tally of everyone's total victory points. If that comes into play, you will be informed. An undefeated winner or a victory point total in the high 50s or low 60s would be probably what would be necessary to win. Mm -hmm. Now, all the love in the world to Jacob and Michael Ganser. Michael designed the amazing artwork for the Adventurers Assemble campaign diaries, and he designed the artwork for this series. 
He's rendered each of the five players beautifully, and we're going to use that as our frame of reference as we tell you more about who's playing. Yeah, uh, there's some not-so-subtle hints about what factions we'll be using, including the go-to factions for both Ben and myself. Jacob Ganser is one of the players for this round-robin tournament, and you can see him in a variation of the ninja garb in the lower left-hand corner of the logo. Jacob's band, Our Name is Taken, or On It, performed The Great Wave, which is this series' opening theme. And it's a banger. (laughs) Yes, it is. The upper right side of the logo is where you'll find our friend Nicole Rudolph. I remember her being at the table, or in some cases, the front desk at Bonzo Hall at St. Francis, (laughs) for several of my earliest matchups of Smash Up. Uh, in the early days of my obsession with this game. And in the image for the logo, she's rocking a set of green wings. Do they represent the fairies? Perhaps the dragons? You'll have to listen to find out. And finally, in the lower right-hand corner, pretty unmistakably decked out as a member of the Bear Cavalry faction, we have Lucas Gerke, one of my oldest and best friends, uh, who, like me, is coming into this tournament with decades of Magic the Gathering experience, so expect lots of shenanigans from him. That's the game rules. That's the players. Are we ready? Yes, we are. Our first game will be a smash-up battle between yours truly, Ben and myself. This is RPG Decades. The two factions I picked are the Mythic Heroes, which is all Greek mythology, Greek heroes, and the Musketeers, based off of the Three Musketeers. The Mythic Heroes is like my like definitive faction in Smash Up. I play them all the time. I was debating about using them today, and then before we started the episode, Ben gave me a Smash Up pin that is the Mythic Heroes, so I was like, I gotta I got use them today. We've had many a back-and-forth battle with the factions we're using today. Yes, but the Mythic Heroes especially for you. I have selected the Wizards and the Werewolves. Uh, this is one of those combos that definitely could get the designation Prisoner of Azkaban combo. It's going to be interesting just because I think of factions a lot of the times uh, with the, a few of those different designations, whether that's power, utility, or disruption. Speed. And, mm-hmm. And or swarming, yeah, and and neither of these really is a swarming faction, but the wizards are a utility faction. You cycle through a lot of cards when you play them, and cycling through a lot of cards is a good thing if your other faction is a power faction. And the werewolves might be the most dangerous power faction in the game. They are big. They're big on the turn when they're first played, so there's a lot of potential for base-breaking with them when you're dropping even your power 2 minion is coming out as a power 4. And in addition to that, they have minions with abilities that grow even more powerful when bases score. So you could go from being down by 4 to being ahead by 3, and then being ahead by 8, depending on how things shake out. Pairing speed with power, good things will happen. 
uh, my relationship with the werewolves is similar to Caleb's with the mythic Greeks. They remain one of my favorites and maybe my go-to faction. Them or the zombies, it's close. Uh, but I have always enjoyed the horror show factions. Well, and you were saying that neither of our factions are very swarmy, but I would disagree. I swarm, but different from other factions, which tend to swarm in minions, I swarm through my actions. Uh, I've had many a turn where I've played four, five, maybe even six actions in one turn. That and gets scary quickly. The same way that the werewolves can power up, I can very quickly change the landscape of the battlefield. So one other piece of information, and this may wind up in an intro, so I may take this out later, but uh, just for a reminder, uh, we are playing with a base deck that consists of all of the bases from the base game. It also includes two bases from factions that we are not playing with. We're not using the Geeks or the All-Stars, so their four bases are in play. There's also, there was a promotional base card that came out with another AEG property called Deep Reef Crag. That base is in the mix. And then after that, the additional bases are bases that correspond to our factions. The Wizards are part of the base game, so their bases are already in the deck. I've added the two for the Werewolves, as well as the four for the Musketeers and the Mythic Greeks to make our base deck. And we will use the base deck to determine who goes first, because Caleb and I each have four cards in there to determine. However... You have one in play already. I have one in play already, so it's actually more likely Caleb will go first. Let's do a rundown of the bases, and then we'll determine who's going first. To start out, we have the Standing Stones, which has a breakpoint of 20, awards four points to the victor, two points to the runner-up, and... Its ability is during your turn, one of your minions here can use its talent twice. Ooh. Ooh. It's a werewolf base. That's nasty for you. (laughs) Then we have the stadium, uh, which goes back to the all-stars. It's got a break point of 17, three victory points to the winner, two to whoever takes second. And the ability is after a minion here is destroyed, its controller draws a card. And last we have the gray opal with a break point of 17, three points to the victor, one point to the runner-up. After this base scores, all players other than the winner may move a minion from here to another base instead of the discard pile. Classic pirate base. Yes, indeed. All right, let's find out who's going first. I will flip the base deck, and we'll see what we run into. I don't feel lucky. Well, there it is. Hey! So we have a musketeer base on the bottom. Caleb is leading off. I had a very strange opening hand. So, honestly, I'm just going to play an Argonaut power two at the stadium and i'm not gonna do anything else okay. i'm just gonna bide my time i will put a neophyte at standing stones reveal the top card of your deck if it is an action <laughs> it's another neophyte so i won't even finish reading that <laughs> uh this will be returned to the top of my deck and as far as action go i actually probably am not going to play one either so that may not have been my best lead and i already know one of the two cards i'm drawing all right you are up, Caleb. I will add a young musketeer to the stadium. His ability is he has an ongoing, after the first time each turn you play an action that directly affects this minion, it gains plus one power until the end of the turn. For my action, I'm going to invoke Favor of Hera and place a plus one counter on up to two minions to power up both my minions by one. And I have... Seven power out of 17 on that base. At the stadium. I am going to play Unstoppable on my Lugaru. The Lugaru gets plus two power when a base scores, and he cannot be destroyed thanks to the Unstoppable action that is played on him. And that puts that base at 
11 of the 17. All right, I'm going to play Aramis, power 4. At the Grey Opal, what is his ability? When I play an action that affects him, I may immediately play a second action that affects him again. Oh, jeez. And for my action, I am going to play one for all. Choose a base, I'm going to choose the stadium. Each of my minions there gains plus one power until the end of the turn. So, I'll get plus one, and that will trigger the Young Musketeer's ability, which gives him an additional plus one power. For my extra action, I will invoke the favor of use and reduce the breakpoint of this base by five. So it is popping. Your total, I don't think I can catch you, so it's going to be 3-2 regardless. And you have an early lead. The stadium goes down. Evan City Cemetery, after this base scores, the winner discards his or her hand and draws five cards. Time for the wizards to start actually acting like wizards. So let's <laughs> try... Cast some spells. Time loop. Play two extra actions, the first of which is Mystic Studies. Draw two cards. So I still have an action play coming, plus my minion. I will play Teenage Wolf at the Standing Stones. And during my turn, he can use his talent twice, which means on my turns, he's actually power five. And I will use Marking Territory and play it on Standing Stones, which makes it so if I have the most power at that base at the start of my turn, that base pops. And how much power do you have there? I have five on your turn, seven on mine. Okay. All right. Let's get into it, then. <laughs> Why not? We're here to fight. I'm going to play a Spartan All at right. the Standing Stones. He has an ongoing. He gets a plus one power the first time I play an action on my turn. All right. So when an action comes out, you'll be one down from me. So he will be power four. So I know you're going to try to play multiple actions this turn. Let's see how this goes. I'm going to make way, move one of my minions to another base. Or you'll do that. That's going to stop the I will the move activation. Aramis from the Gray Opal to the Standing Stones, which increases the power of my Spartan. And then make way allows me to play an extra action. I will play an Argonaut instead of an action, since I can do that. That's right. only the first time. Oh, Okay. So that changed the power dynamics at the Standing Stone significantly. <laughs> you now have nine, but no, you have ten power at the base. It is now my turn, and I will use the Teenage Wolf's power twice to bring me up to seven to your ten. And I will use the Chronomage, which allows me to play an extra action this turn. And I'm going to use Full Moon and Frenzy. So Full Moon, Frenzy together. One's played on the base, uh, the other is just in general uh they each give my minions plus one power so the chrono mage goes from three to five the teenage wolf goes from five to seven the neophyte goes from two to four so four seven five that puts me at 16 to 10 and the, the base will wizards pop. take the standing stones I would have been really, really depressed if I didn't take that base. <laughs> it's the werewolf base. We have to defend the territory. Oh, gosh. Although I had to burn a lot of power to do that. so That's what I was hoping on. Yep. So all of that goes away. Everything that we just played. There are no minions or actions in play. Fresh start. I lead 6 to 5. And the Temple of Goju comes out. So this is where we should make a couple of notes. First, I don't think we explicitly stated it. Uh, this has nothing to do with the base, which Caleb will read in a second. Uh, but the abilities of talents uh, are abilities for minions that can be activated once per turn by the player who owns the minion on their turn, which was the 
reason the teenage wolf was able to boost not once but twice normally he can give himself plus one power each turn that was that talent in use and we just got a ninja base which the ninjas are weird caleb go ahead and uh describe it for us the ninjas are weird and interesting so this is the temple of goju which has a break point of 18 and its ability is after this base scores place each player's highest power minion here on the bottom of its owner's deck now the weird thing about ninja bases is normally for bases whoever has the most power there is going to get the most points with ninja bases it's whoever has the second most power so the breakdown of these points go two to the victor three to the runner-up yes indeed so there's a little bit more strategy involved i'm very glad the board is cleared though because due to the nature of my hand i'm not going to play anything this turn <laughs> all, right. all right well i gotta go for the the biggest base here so i'm gonna put a neophyte at evan city cemetery and reveal my top card as an action which means i get to play it uh, or I have the option of playing it or placing it in my hand. I'm going to place it in my hand because it does not help me currently. Uh, my action play for the turn will be Mass Enchantment, uh, which is actually in this game, given it's a one-on-one, two-player games and four-player games and Smash Up feels so different. In a four-player game, your cards will usually just affect one other player at the table or they might affect everybody, but everything is so concentrated in a two-player game. We only have the three bases in play and Mass Enchantment is only going to impact Caleb. What the ability does is reveal the top card of each other player's deck. If there is an action that is, never mind, uh, if it had been an action that was revealed, I would have been able to use it. Instead, it is a minion that is returning to the top of Caleb's deck, and it is now his turn. You know what? I swear this is going to pay off in the end, but I'm also not going to play anything this turn. Okay, just building up the power. Alrighty. When I play my entire hand in one turn, you'll understand. <laughs> kind of what I'm afraid of. All right, well, I will play an Enchantress, who's also going to allow me to build up a little bit because I get to draw a card. But I'm in a similar boat to you. Uh, my actions really do not currently help me. Uh, so that's all I'm going to do. This is the smash-up equivalent of the guns going quiet. All right, give me a second. I got to do some math. <laughs> smash-up in a nutshell. I'm just going to put a Power 2 Argonaut at the Evan City Cemetery and right. draw up. Uh, I'm going to play a Howler and then a chew toy to set you back because my howler comes out at power four. He's more powerful than the Argonaut. The Argonaut dies. And that is my turn. The numbers still don't work out, so I'm, I'm just going to play a Porthos at the Great Opal, and his ability is he is not affected by other players' actions. Oh, that is disappointing. I won't be able to kill Porthos. <laughs> I am aware. <laughs> and I'm going to draw up. All right. Pack Alpha has entered the fray at Evan City Cemetery, and I will use Summon for the wizards to also play a teenage wolf who gets plus one power on my turn so currently the base is at 14 be at 13 when my turn ends and that is all i will do and he's down to 10 for the werewolves yeah so i've got 14 actually i have 15 then on my own turn all right things are finally in place to start i'm gonna put power five odysseus oh god at the cemetery his ability is after i play an action i place a plus one counter on one of my minions <laughs> then i will play to battle i play an extra minion and i may play an action that directly affects it as an extra action i'm going to bring in a young musketeer so odysseus's ability triggers he gets a plus one and the extra action that i am going to play that affects the young musketeer is on guard. I choose a minion to gain plus one power until the end of the turn. 
I draw a card, now we play an extra action. So that will trigger Young Musketeer's ability, which gives him a plus one, and Odysseus' ability, which gives him a plus one. I draw a card. I play Favor of Hermes as my extra action, which allows me to play two, two extra, extra actions. actions. And triggers Odysseus' ability. I play one for all, choose a base. Each of your minions there gains plus one power until the end of the turn, and I'm going to play an extra action. Keeping track of all of this I know, is, and, and is you, very difficult. Well, and here's, here's the thing. Remember the pack alpha ability. You've got to get to 21. <laughs> and if you do that, I will have just witnessed something amazing going from 0 to 21 in a single turn. I might be able to do that. But the base is going to pop, so these stakes are high. I'm going to choose Biting Time. Choose a minion to gain plus 2 power until the end of the turn. I will pick the Young Musketeer. I'm going to play an extra action that directly affects that minion. That triggers Odysseus's ability. They're both a nine. You are three away. I'm going to choose Token of Affection. Search my deck and or discard pile for an action that directly affects a minion and place it into your hand. You may play it as an extra action. It's probably going to do it. Yes, I'm going to choose Favor of Hera. Plus three. Oh, which wow, is you just did it. Plus <laughs> one counter and then an additional... For Odysseus's, I can play more, which, just to be safe in case you have shenanigans up your hand, I'm going to do, which will give two more power to this whole shebang. And yes, I think that should do it. You just got maybe one of the best action combos I've ever seen you get with that, so of course you did it on the podcast. And let's... Calculate it, you've got a total there of 10, 13 on Odysseus and 11 on the Young Musketeer. You hit 24, 24 on a single turn. So 24 power in one turn, and I played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 cards. Yeah, you earned the 5 victory points on that one. <laughs> you also have to discard everything you're holding and draw 5 new cards, which actually helps you more because you would yes. have been at 4 otherwise. Uh, so that's irritating. That was my all. plan when it came out. Oh, my word. I was like, I want to take that with my entire hand and basically just get a new one. Evan City Cemetery goes away. You now have a 10-9 to 9 lead. The School of Wizardry, another one I feel compelled to defend. Of course, it's an after the base scores. All of these are now after the base scores, so the base abilities are not going to impact the round for the foreseeable future. So I'm kind of okay with for right now. Yeah. So basically for that fight, I just envision... Odysseus and the Musketeer show up, get powered up. Odysseus 1v1s the pack alpha while the Musketeer finishes off the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, you had the numbers advantage. You got the action combo from your deck. And I'm trying to get speed right now that is not coming easy. I will send a Neophyte to the School of Wizardry. I get an action. Search your deck for an action and reveal it to all players. Place it into your hand and shuffle your deck. I'm sure I've got something worth grabbing right now. I will grab Summon, and I will play Summon to put a Howler at the School of Wizardry. That is my turn. After all that shenanigans I just pulled, I gotta take it easy, so I'm just gonna play a Spartan at the Grey Opal okay. and call it there. I'm going to play the Archmage at the Temple of Goju, and I'm gonna give him Moon Touch. 
So thanks to a talent and his ongoing ability, I will get to draw a card and play an extra action on each of my turns. Very nice. That does give me an extra action play for this turn. And I will use Portal. Reveal the top five cards of your hand. Place any number of minions revealed into your hand. Return the other cards to the top of your deck in any order. All but one are minions. Uh, I will have to discard down, it looks like, to the legal hand size here in a moment. Oh, our first discard. Which I will do, and, I, and I'll even have to do that after I... Actually, no, I was at 10, and then the draw up at the end of the turn will put me at 12, so I, after I draw two, I'll discard two. I'm going to discard Winds of Change and Sacrifice. That is my turn. I'm going to play a Young Musketeer at the Gray Opal, and then follow it up with a... Favor of Dionysus. One of your minions gains plus one power until the end of the turn, which I will give to the Young Musketeer, which will trigger his ability and the Spartans to give the Spartan a plus one. I can play an extra action and I may place this card on the top of my deck inside the discard pile, which I will do. For my extra action, I will play on guard. Choose a minion to gain plus one power until the end of the turn. Draw a card and I may play an extra action. Currently, that's five, five. Fourteen, so you're three 14. short. Fourteen. For my extra action, I will play Favor of Ares. One of my minions gains plus three power until the end of the turn. And it is now 13 to nine. Oh, my word. And you get to keep a minion in play, if I'm recalling that ability right. Or no, actually, it refers to the runner-up, if I remember right. Which, there is no runner-up, so. I did not have any power there, which is deeply disappointing. All right. Gray Opal goes away. Ha! Another wizard base, of course. The great library after this base scores all players of beings. Here, my draw a card. All right. My odds do not look good. You are two victory points away from winning. Stick with the after the base scores theme that the bases have going on. Yes, indeed. And all of these bases have two. At least two for the runner-up. Yeah, so you have a way to win this regardless. I need to pop a base alone to actually get out of this. I'm going to play leader of the pack on the Archmage, which for the future makes it so there's an additional action play so he's allowing me to play three actions per turn as well as allowing me to draw a card and I will play a Chrono Mage which allows me to play another extra action I will draw two cards and I'm cycling my deck uh, that being said I believe I've made all my minion plays and I think I have two more action plays coming my way, should I choose to use them. I'm not going to use any of my action plays this turn, so that is the end of my turn, and you are up. Okay. I am going to play Hercules at the Temple of Goju. He's a power four. His ability is, after any player plays an action, this minion gains plus one power until the end of the turn. And I am going to... Invoke the favor of Poseidon and shuffle up to three cards from my discard pile into my deck. Which I will pick the favor of Zeus, which reduces the breakpoint. Make way, which allows me to move a minion and to battle, which allows me to play an extra minion. But that is all I'm going to do this turn. Okay. You played the perfect minion at the temple because the werewolf action abilities are what kill minions, which make Heracles more powerful. Mm -hmm. Which makes it extraordinarily difficult to take him off the board. 
Because most of those, they have to be weaker yep. than uh, a minion you have there. Indeed. I'm trying to see if there's actually an order I can play these that gets me out of that situation. Otherwise, the Temple of Goju may be where this ends. Actually, okay. I've got Scry. I'm going to search my deck for an action, reveal it, place it in my hand, and shuffle my deck. That's the first of my three action plays. That might be the only option. It's going to be Summon. The question becomes, can I get the 13 power I need at School of Wizardry to break it in one turn? And I think I can. So let's do the math. I have only played the one action this turn. I still have two more coming my way. I would love to have two crazy action turns in one game. Uh, my <laughs> This does not fit the definition of crazy action turn after what you already did. <laughs> and... Yeah, the sad reality is I don't think we can I don't think I'm gonna get there. Yeah. Because we are currently at seven. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna do it, because these would both be worth five. Play a Lugaru, summon the Neophyte. Which will give you another power. Reveal the top card. Portal. Okay. That's not overly helpful, but we'll try it. Reveal place any minions into your hand but my remaining action plays do not do enough so we'll discard down actually I don't think I have no I did I that's how I got scry in the first place so I've used the wizard ability and that's all I can do all right and the school of wizardry is at it is at <laughs> I have left it sitting at 13, I believe. And you do not even need to win it to win the game, so this game's pretty much over. Yes, because I am going to play a Spartan. And that'll do it. At the School of Wizardry and make way to move Hercules there, which gives him a power, gives that a plus one, and favor of Dionysus, which will give them both an additional power. And that should break the base. Yes, indeed. So, the total, you get your 15, I come up to 12. Caleb wins our first round. Well, 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 well. Looks like the Greeks and Musketeers should be banned. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, just, they get so... So many action plays with the right combination. And unless you have, I think it's like one of the princess cards, or there's some cards, not many in the game, that cap your extra card play. Yep. Unless you're they equipped kill with that, yeah, mm -hmm. you're not going to get far. It's like a hand trap in Yu-Gi-Oh. It's just like, oh, you're going to combo off and win the game. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. And on paper, as much as that doesn't matter... I mean, the Wizards, like, even going back to when I first watched the game played on tabletop, I think Will Wheaton had the robots and the Wizards. So he was drawing and playing a ton of cards. There's just not a lot of power there. Mm -hmm. And putting them with a power faction like the Werewolves could have worked against a different opponent, but it, that combination was just overmatched. It Yeah, it really feels a little too unbalanced. I don't know, even in our home games, that I've lost ever using this combo. I think that's fair, and I think through trial and error, I've tried throwing a few things at that, and we still haven't gotten there. This is one aspect of the game where the Wizards were in the base set, 
I mean, 10 years ago at this point, the werewolves are like four expansions into the mm. overall run of Smash Up. And some of the things that will come later are just playing a different sport. Yeah, it's just totally the power creep was real. Because, yeah, those base factions, it's like, oh, this faction swarms. That's all it does. This faction has really strong minions. That's all it does. But then you get to the later ones and it's like, all right, this faction has really strong minions and you can make them even stronger with like a bunch of talents or action plays or stuff like that. Yeah. As more elements get added to the game, the possibility of mismatches increased a little bit. That said, I think as we go on, we might still see some older factions have their time in the sun. Oh, some of them, yeah. They're still really strong. Like, zombies are a staple. My whole discard pile is another deck for me. And zombies are on my list. So their time will come. (laughs) Yeah, I just noticed because we, as we're sitting here talking about the games after the fact, pulled out the factions that we used. And I like the Musketeers and Mythic Greeks even more so because they have all these named characters. You have the named Three Musketeers, uh, and then you also have all the Greek heroes like Odysseus and Heracles. So it just it feels like a like a power squad. Yeah, very much so. I mean, and the Wizards are early enough that I don't think I don't think Smash Up had many named cards of any kind. No, that you they were very generic. Or, yes, ideas. absolutely, and then. Going on later, though, like, granted, there's a Critical Role episode where I appreciated to what extent Matthew Mercer just pointed out Alpha Theory is bull. <laughs> <laughs> but the pack Alpha. Respect the Alpha. Yep. Uh, recognize the Alpha. Recognize the Alpha. <laughs> is the pack Alpha just looks like one of the most dangerous cards in the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, with a better matchup, it could have been. <laughs> but here we are. Thank you for listening to RPG Decades. Our next episode will come out two days from now. Make sure to subscribe to Storytelling Breakdown wherever you get your podcasts so you can hear every battle and every episode we bring your way. Our music is by Our Name is Taken. The SP theme music is by Kurt Remke. The logo for RPG Decades is by Michael Ganser. There's more games and much more to come on RPG Decades from Storytelling Breakdown. SP Wayne Shout Productions. Wayne Shout. <laughs> <laughs>